0: Hey there, gorgeous, and welcome to the Females on Fire podcast, where we talk all things marketing, business, and personal development. I'm your host, Haley Luckadoo, the marketing coach, motivational speaker, and Dr. Pepper lover with a mission to connect you with the most incredible women I can find and the tools you need to chase those crazy audacious dreams of yours. So welcome to the club, Firestarter. Now let's turn that spark of an idea into a wildfire of success. Hey, hey fire starters, welcome back. I am super pumped. I know I say that every week, but I am super pumped about this episode because I have the most amazing guest for you. This woman is phenomenal. She's a genius when it comes to content and marketing. And I am absolutely obsessed with following her on Instagram. So you're going to want to go do that as soon as you start to hear from her. Trust me. Uh, But I'm so excited to introduce Jen Hartman. And Jen is the CEO of Neat Marketing, which is a boutique marketing consultancy in Louisville, Kentucky. She works with female entrepreneurs to help them grow and scale their brands using innovative marketing strategies. And in the last two years alone, Jen has worked with over 160 brands and her clients have collectively brought in over $1.5 million in revenue. And prior to diving into entrepreneurship back in 2019, Jen actually worked in product marketing for a $220 million tech company. She graduated from business school and worked on campaigns for global CPG brands like Procter and Gamble, Frito-Lay, and Nestle. And now she even has a second business called Doggy Issues, which is a product-based business and they sell the cutest funniest items and apparel items for you and your dog. So Jen is just doing all the things in the business world. She is such an incredible marketing expert, and I'm really excited to have her on the show to give you kind of a different perspective into the marketing world than just hearing it from me. We talk all things, marketing strategy, huge mistakes that we're seeing. Really knowing your ideal client and how easy marketing really can be when you're willing to evolve and willing to change as needed. So, this is such an incredible episode. I absolutely know you're going to love Jen because I know I do. Like I said, I'm obsessed with her content. You will be too after you hear from her. So, let's get right into it, shall we? Hi, Jen. Thank you so much
1: for joining me on the show. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: I am super excited to have you. I feel like I've been following you for what feels like forever now on Instagram and have been dying to get you on the show. I'm so glad that it's finally working out schedule wise and that you're here. And I'm super excited to dive into this conversation because I love talking about all things marketing, but I know our listeners probably get sick of hearing me all the time. So I always love getting fellow marketers, marketing professionals on the show to kind of share a different perspective and opinion. So this is gonna be really fun. But before we get into all of that, uh, tell everybody who you are, how you got here, what you do, what's the whole story?
1: Absolutely. So I'm Jen, if you guys haven't guessed already, and I own a marketing consultancy. I'm based in Louisville, Kentucky, but we serve both startups in our local community and global brands. Um, We work with brands to help them increase revenue and really boost brand awareness through unique marketing strategies. So I originally got started in 2019. This is kind of a side hustle. I knew I wanted to leave my corporate job. I didn't have the best corporate experience. Anyone who follows me on Instagram knows my story, but your listeners might not. So I'll kind of dive in here. I was a victim of sexual harassment in corporate America, and I was just really eager to get out of that work environment. I really wanted to work for myself. I was tied to the job for so long because it provided an income for me. And every two weeks I got my $2,000 paycheck and that provided me with a little bit of stability and I was able to pay off credit cards and loans and whatnot, but. I knew I wanted more for myself and I knew I wanted more freedom. So eventually I decided to kind of leave corporate America, had $3,000 to my name when I went full-time in my business, didn't really know what I was doing, kind of made things up, figured it out as I went and invested in a lot of really incredible mentors. And in two years, I grew this business to multiple six figures recently bought my dream car, which I'm very proud of. Um, I hired my first full-time employee about six months ago and I even self-funded a fashion brand. So it definitely hasn't been easy, but I know this is so cliche. I was about to say it hasn't been easy, but it's been worth it. Like the most cliche line I could ever say, but it's so true.
0: I love it. I love it. I don't think it's cliche. I think when you're living it, you're allowed to say it. It's not cliche, but I love that you pointed out. First of all, I love your story because I think so many people can relate to that feeling of being in corporate. And for whatever reason for you, it was a whole issue with harassment, which is awful. I'm so sorry, but it got you here. So there you go. Um, But I feel like so many people can relate to that being in a corporate position And for whatever reason, feeling like they have to get out of it. Like it's draining them. It's draining their energy. They're not super passionate about showing up to work every day. Maybe they love the work, but not the place they work in. Right. Um, So I think so many people can resonate with that. And I'm always interested when we do these interviews to hear everybody's stories, because what I love about it is, yes, we're so different. And yes, we all have our own kind of unique journey of How we got here and how we got into what we're doing. But there's always these little like points of contact, you know, these points of similarity where you're like, oh yeah, everybody can resonate with that, right? Everybody can resonate with this. Um, but one thing I really love that you mentioned was just that you invested in a lot of mentors, you know, because we don't hear a lot of people talk about that part. And I feel like it's such a huge part of growth and expansion and really scaling your business is just knowing when to invest in yourself and your business and knowing when to trust other people. So, um, I'm super proud of you to hear that, that you've done that, but I I think it just goes to show that when you really not only trust yourself, but trust yourself enough to make investment decisions in your business, then that's when you really start to grow and scale and thrive. And not only have you done that with mentors, but you've done that with hiring an employee too. So that's awesome.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, I definitely believe in investing in your business. It doesn't always have to be a $20,000 mentor, but it might mean hiring a virtual assistant, investing in systems. Because I think when you invest in your business, that shows that you believe in what you're doing and it forces you to show up and step up in a way that you wouldn't otherwise.
0: Yes. I love that. I think that's so, so true. I feel like we could go down that rabbit hole and talk about that all day long. Of all about how you hired and how you've invested and all that stuff. But uh, we'll get to the the really good, juicy stuff that we came for. So let's kick it off with I want to talk about marketing mistakes because I know the things that I see where I see somebody post something on Instagram or they try something and I just cringe. And I'm like, oh, that was not the way to go about that. So I know you have those things. Um, so I'd love to hear from you. What are some of the biggest marketing mistakes that you see happening, you know, in 2021 going into 2022?
1: I feel like I could go so deep with this. like, (laughs) Like what you said, I see so many mistakes happening on Instagram and like, coming from corporate seeing certain things in the online space just makes me like cringe internally and i'm like why are we doing this this is not how things are supposed to go so i'll start this off by saying that a big mistake i see people making and i know a lot of people know this but only hosting your business on instagram instagram is great i think it's it's an amazing platform to grow a brand and create a fan base and communicate with your customers and your clients. But unfortunately, Instagram is very finicky. We've seen it go down for hours at a time. I've had like panic attacks watching Instagram go down. We've seen people get booted out of their accounts and never regain access. So at this point, it is so important to have almost multiple channels that you're marketing on. So Instagram, yes, social media is important, but Aside from having short-form content for your top of funnel strategy, you should also have long-form content. So podcasting is really great. Blogging is fantastic as well. Um, Even YouTube is amazing too. Having something a little bit more long-form where you can expand on the short-form content you're talking about on Instagram. So highly recommend that one. When it comes to long-form content, I recommend meeting people where they're at. So if your clients don't read blogs for the love of God, don't start with <laughs> Yes, thank you. Somebody <laughs> the, had to say it. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's about your customers. So meet them where they're at, give them what they're wanting. And also as well, another mistake I see happening is people have a top of funnel strategy, which would be events. It would be social media. It's your podcast. It's your blog. It's your website. But I don't see mid funnel happening. Mm -hmm. So people discover you and they love you, but there's no way to push them down into becoming a client of yours. So for example, email marketing is a mid funnel strategy and some people will send out an email every once in a while, but I don't see a lot of strategy behind mid funnel. The goal for mid funnel is to nurture and eventually convert people behind the scenes without having to spend hours in the DMs every single day. If email is not the vibe, if you're like, I hate emails, my clients hate emails. The other option here is SMS. SMS is going to pick up speed going into 2022. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to communicate with your customers. It's a great way to build community and to just push them through your funnel down into bottom of funnel where they actually convert into paying clients of yours. So another mistake I see happening as well is the same content is being posted all the time. I don't even scroll Instagram at this point because I just see the same educational content again and again and again. And I don't know what happens. I don't know if we see maybe a coach who talks about a certain topic And then everybody else sees that and they kind of regurgitate it and try to make it their own. But I see it happening all the time. So try your best to not get inspiration from Instagram. I don't scroll for inspo. I get inspo from LinkedIn. I connect with like really incredible thought leaders on LinkedIn who have an opinion about things. And that's where I learn a lot. I get inspiration from podcasts, from books I'm reading, from articles I'm reading. I don't get inspo from Instagram. And it's because if I do, I end up regurgitating the same information everybody else is. I think it's it's super important to have your own take on things polarizing content is also really big. I used to be so afraid of having an opinion. I was like, oh my God, if I have an opinion, some people are not going to like me. And now I've just owned the fact that like, I'm not for everybody and that's okay. Polarizing content forces you to pick a side. You're either going to agree with something. You're going to disagree with something. Your people are going to be that much more attracted to you. And those people who don't maybe have the same beliefs as you, guess what? You just eliminated them and you saved yourself hours of time. You don't have to waste time trying to nurture them in the DMs. You don't have to waste your time getting on a sales call just to figure out that you're not aligned. So that's another big mistake too, is like just posting educational content is not enough to stand up from the crowd. You have to also have an opinion about what you're posting about. There should be some sort of polarizing opinion with your content. What other marketing mistakes do I see people making? The last one I'll touch on because I've seen it a lot is a freebie that is truly not valuable. Mm. If you're going to create a freebie, it should be a high value freebie because that high value freebie is a taste of what it's like to work with you. So if you're putting out a subpar freebie, that's, almost like the first impression you're giving off. And people think, well, if she can't even put together a valuable downloadable PDF, what's it like to pay to work with her? So I say, pick out something really valuable, pick out your juiciest piece of knowledge and put it into a freebie that people will really want to download and implement and make sure when you do create that freebie, it's in the format that your clients or your future clients prefer. So whether it's I don't know, say for instance, a private podcast, maybe it's a private podcast um, episode, or maybe it's a webinar or a masterclass or a workshop, figure out what they want and make it for them and not for you. I love that. Oh my
0: gosh. So many different things we could dive into here. I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I even going to remember the first thing she said? Cause these are so good. Um, but first of all, just commenting on that last one, I I feel like, and maybe this is just kind of an opinion, but this is where I see the market going. I feel like we're going to lose freebies eventually. I feel like eventually we are going to lose freebies entirely and people are just going to have like small offers. You know, those little like 19 and $27 things. I feel like those are going to be the lead magnets because I think we're already kind of starting to see that a little bit where the top of funnel is still something you have to pay for and put a little skin in the game on. And I like it. Like, I like that it's going that way. Sometimes these freebies are garbage. So I totally agree with you on that one. Um, I really love the fact that you brought up the content all being the same. um, Because I feel like I feel very much the same way that I can't even scroll Instagram anymore. And I think this is why I love following you so much. because It's not the same, just like regurgitated crap over and over again. I'm so tempted to sit here and ask you about your LinkedIn strategy and how you do all of that, but we won't go down that rabbit hole right now. Um, But I love that it's, it's kind of a nice reminder that, because I think too often people are using these platforms, you know, not only to show off their own expertise and build a brand and grow a following and get customers, but they are looking through them for inspiration and they are looking through them for the educational aspect for themselves And I think that's okay to a degree, right? But I think you kind of have to know, like going in, like if you log in Instagram, I think you kind of have to be prepared for like, okay, am I scrolling to look for people to follow, to look for people to learn from? Am I looking for something specific for myself? Or am I coming on here to sell, to post, to grow a brand, to nurture my audience, et cetera. And you really have to be one or the other. You can't kind of have one foot in both. Because otherwise you do, you end up scrolling and you're like, oh, that's interesting. I could recreate that. And then that's all of a sudden what you're doing and you're posting the same crap as everybody else. And it's boring. It doesn't make you stand out at all. And I don't think it shows off your expertise at all because if you don't, I mean, if you didn't even come, and you know, I know there's this whole thing about hopping on Reels trends and stuff like that. And I get it to a degree, like if you can take a trend, and, and reshape it into what you need it to be for your clients and and make it work for your business, put your own spin on it. That's great. But what we're seeing more often than not is just the recreations of trends with no real purpose, no real intention at all. Um, So I think that's, that's kind of a really, it's one of those points where I know people don't want to hear it because they're like, oh, but coming up with original content is so hard. But I don't think it is. It's kind of like you said, pulling out that, like, what is your best piece of advice? What is the best piece of expertise that you have? Turning that into a freebie. I think it's the same concept when you're coming up with your content. Like, how can you take the thing you know the best and break it down into 10 different Instagram posts, right? Um, What was the other point I wanted to hit on that you said that was so good? Oh, the uh, mid funnel people not having a mid funnel. I want to dig into this part. Everything you said, this is the part where I'm like, this is where we have to go because this is where people are really messing up. I want to dig into this part more because I think a lot of times we as marketers, and you do a great job of this on your Instagram. So, you know, side note, you guys, if you're listening, go follow her. Um, But you do a great job of this. And I try really hard to do this as well. I think a lot of times we as marketing professionals start talking about, Oh, the top of your funnel and mid funnel. And how do you, how are you getting people through like the customer journey and all this stuff? And a lot of times, you know, our regular everyday clients who are listening are like, I don't even know what that means. Like what I'm a, I'm a service provider. I don't have a funnel. I don't understand what that is. And I'm a big believer that regardless of whatever business you have, you have a funnel, right? Your customers are getting through somehow. So what's point A, what's point B, what's point C, how are they getting through there? That's your funnel. So let's talk about that for a second. What, what's your advice there on when people are getting stuck and they're like, okay, I've got, let's take social media, for example, I've got Instagram, right? That's the top of my funnel. And I offer this service or, you know, this course or whatever it is. How did they figure out the middle, right? The messy middle is the hardest part. How did they get in and figure that out in a way that works for them versus just, signing up for Click Funnels and having a two-step product that people buy? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, such a great question. So what I recommend doing is if you have your Top of Funnel strategy, so you have your social media, maybe you have a website, maybe you have a podcast, you have things going on Top of Funnel, but there's nothing to push people through. Start with a freebie, a really high value freebie or an intro ticket offer, something that's under a hundred dollars. Either or is totally fine. But when it comes to that, I would think about what is the best piece of advice you have or what is the biggest mistake you've seen your clients make before working with you? Or another option to approach this is what do you want people to know before they work with you? Mm -hmm. What is the most basic part of your entire business? Can you put that into a really interesting high value freebie? So they master that skill set and then they pay to work with you on a higher level. So once you create that freebie, whatever it may be, whether it's a downloadable PDF, whether it's a webinar, a masterclass, a private podcast feed, whatever it may be. Once people actually opt in and you would promote that through your top of funnel strategies, you'd promote it on your website, you'd have an opt-in form, or you'd promote it on your Instagram. You want to push people through and you want that to start with top of funnel. So people opt in and they get that freebie and their mind is blown, or they get that intro offer for... I don't know, let's say $22. They're completely wowed by your expertise. You're going to set up a series of five emails. I say no more, no less. And this series of emails is going to be a combination of introducing you and who you are and also talking about a polarizing opinion of yours and sharing some really great educational information that people on your Instagram don't have access to. It should be very exclusive. You should also share more information about your services. And then the very last email is going to be, oh, you know what? I forgot another email in here. You should also include a customer success story. So people get an idea of how you can take a customer from point A to point B, what they can expect when they work with you. Um, And then the very last email should be a call to action. Hey, let's work together. Here's a fast action discount on this offer. And it should build upon the freebie that they just downloaded or the intro offer they just purchased. And that's all the funnel is. I think people hear funnels and they get very intimidated very quickly, but all a funnel is, is an email sequence. And it's just built in a strategic way to get somebody from a freebie to then your next offer or for an intro offer to then a low ticket offer or from a low ticket offer to a mid ticket offer. All you're doing is building out a really strategic email sequence that nurtures them without you having to manually follow up with them via email or Instagram DM. Yeah.
0: And just going back to what you were saying, I don't even think it necessarily has to be email, right? Like find a way to make it work for your business. You talked about text messaging and SMS. I think that is... I'm with you. I think in 2022, that is going to blow up. Like, I think we're already seeing that, right? Like, because it just, for a lot of people, it feels easier. We have so much coming into our inboxes. So it's so much easier to get a text message, right? It's so much easier to hop
1: on a text list than an email list nowadays. Yes, exactly. And like I said before, if email is not your thing. And maybe you have a lot of gen z clients who are not email people either text messaging is the same thing essentially however you're not going to be typing out novel length text messages to your customers but same idea right you're going to have short impactful messages that include a variety of customer success stories and education and polarizing opinions and um, it works the same way. And actually, I don't know the exact number, but the open rate for text messages is a lot higher than emails. Like I want to say it's like I'm gonna need to double check myself, but I want to say it's like eighty something percent is the open rate for text messages, which is insane. Like if you want people to open your messages, text might be the way to go. Yeah, seriously. And
0: you know, it's one of those things where I think sometimes people forget that they can have both, right? Like you can have a text list. Mm -hmm. and an email list and have, you know, people on your email list who prefer email and people on your text list who prefer text messages. And I mean, it's not like you have to recreate, you know, the con like do completely different content on both, right. You're taking the emails and you're like, okay, how do I turn this email into a quick, simple text messages from text message for my text list. Right. Um, and yeah, sure. You'll get some people who are on both because they just love you and they're obsessed with you and whatever, but Hey, they're there. They're obsessed with you. They're not going to care if they get the short text message version in addition to the email. So I think it really is about figuring out what works for your business and not just necessarily what works for you, but what works for your business, your clients, your customers. And I think that's the part so many people forget. I really believe that marketing is super simple and it's literally just knowing your client, knowing your customer really, really well and knowing how to get them in that funnel and get them from point A to point B to point C, right? That's all marketing is. And if you can do that, then it almost doesn't matter what you're selling or how you're selling it. You're going to be able to figure out how to get people in there, right? But I think people either are get tripped up on the actual knowing their client, right? Because how often are people... I know my customers come to me all the time. My coaching clients come to me all the time like this. So I don't know if maybe you feel this too, but they're coming to me all the time. They're like, oh yeah, I know my client really well. And then they're telling me about this person and I'm like, right, but what about this? And they're like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, but what about this? And they're like, I don't know. And you, you start to realize people never know as much as they think they do when it comes to their own customer. And I think you should constantly be like evolving and learning more about who they are and what they need. But I think too often we're chalking we're it up to, oh yeah, this is my customer. This is their pain point. This is what I have to solve that. And we're just assuming. And you know what happens when we assume.
1: <laughs> oh my God, wait, did you watch my Instagram story about this the other day? I feel like I just talked about how we assume really? we know our customers. And the thing about that is like, what happens is so many of us do market research in the very beginning of our businesses, right? That's what every coach tells us to do. Go do market research. And then we do it. And then two years, three years, four years goes by and we don't ever do market research again. Or we do surface level market research. Like we put up Instagram story polls. Yeah. And then half the time, people who are voting would never even buy from us. So we're not really doing quality research. And then we get further and further away from our customers and what they're wanting. Yes. And we just sit around and we're like, Why is nobody buying from us? Why are people not liking my pictures? Why are people not engaging? Well, you're not creating content that they want. Like you don't even know your customers anymore. Customers grow and evolve over time. And if you're doing your job correctly, that's going to happen. But with that being said, you have to keep doing your research at least once a month, checking with your customers or past customers to see what they're up to, how they're doing, what's keeping them up at night, what they think the biggest problem in their industry is because if you're not constantly asking these questions, you're going to become so out of touch so fast.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. See, this is why I wanted you on the show because I'm like, she and I are twins. Like we, we are on the same wavelength. I knew, I knew this would be so good, but I I want to touch on that because you just went through a rebrand. So let's talk about that because I feel like you're so good at, and this is what, what I think makes you such a great marketer or marketing strategist, whatever you want to call it, um, you're so good at recognizing that. And you can tell you're so good at recognizing like when your clients are evolving, when they're taking the next step. And therefore you have to take a next step, right? Um and I think a lot of times, especially for, you know, business owners who are sort of just getting started or or have gotten to that um sort of lag where they're like a year in and they're like, what do I do now? Like I've built it here's the thing that I've created now, what? (laughs) Right. Um, I think too often people are getting to that point and, and their ego is getting in the way and it's like, Oh, well, this is what the market research I had. And this is what I've gotten comfortable with. Right. And this is what I've spent so much time creating programs and lead magnets and, you know, freebies and webinars and content for. So I don't want to change it. I don't want to evolve. This is what I've worked so hard for. And they're constantly thinking like, oh, if I have to change it, if I have to evolve, it's going to be drastic changes. It's going to be like starting over. It's going to, you know, be ground zero all over again. So talk about what that's been like for you with this rebrand, because you did a whole rebrand, you're moving up with your clients, but it didn't mean starting over for you necessarily. So
1: what's that been like? Yeah, it was definitely scary because for two years, all I was doing was coaching. So I coached over, I don't know, 150 clients. But what I saw happening is we got to this point where our clients were like, well, can you just do it for me? Or I need more of like a CMO. Where do I find an ad hoc CMO? And I'm like, I've had enough people ask that to not give them what they're looking for just seems really silly. Right. And we had the ability to do that for them as well. So during the summer, I was like, I'm done being stubborn and I'm done being so set in my ways. We need to pivot and give people exactly what they're asking for, or we're not going to make it. Like we're not going to survive as a business if we don't pivot and accommodate what people are asking for. So we did. So I started to take on more corporate consulting projects and my revenue during the summer plateaued. And as soon as I started to say yes, and to give people what they were wanting, my revenue started to go back up in business again. So we had clients who returned as consulting clients. We had clients who came back for done for you funnel builds and for social media management. And that to me was really exciting. It was sad at the same time though, because I had created all of this coaching material and it was like, well, I'm not running lazy girl launch school anymore because I've just evolved. Like that program doesn't fit the direction we're going. in. so I spent, I don't know, probably 50 hours developing that program, running that program, working with clients on that program. So to like say goodbye to that was a little bit sad. And even to let go of like old courses and workshops I had definitely a little bit painful, but when you're in business, you have to constantly grow and evolve if you want to make it when you get so comfortable and set in your ways, that's when you become disrupted. You have people who come in and start to pick apart your business and do things better than you and take your clients. And that's the thing too. Like if you're not giving people exactly what they're asking for, they're going to go to the next person who is. Yep. And I don't believe, like if you're a small business owner, you can't afford for that to happen. Amen. I know. <laughs> I definitely can't. I'm like, I'm not going to say goodbye to businesses. People are asking me this. We're going to give them exactly what they're looking for. Even if I had a client come to me who's like, hey, I love you. And I love what you guys do. Can you offer paid ads? I'd be like, absolutely. Let me hire a paid ad st- strategist to come in and do it for you. Like I would say yes. And I would hire the right person to get that job done because I don't believe in saying no to opportunities. Mm. I used to, I used to turn down work left and right. And then again, this summer happened and I'm like, this feels very silly. Like I need to let go of my ego and just evolve with my clients. And it's worked out really well. And I think because we've been evolving, I've been signing more corporate clients. And that's the direction I really want to move in is to work with more corporate brands. Because yes, I love my solopreneurs, but corporate brands have the resources. They have the team to implement. They have the money. They have so much that they're easy and very fun to work with as well.
0: I love that. I don't say no to opportunities. That. I was like, that's a quote card right there for the episode for sure. Uh, no, I love that. And I'm, I'm about to date myself here. Um, but thankfully, I'm pretty sure like 99% of my audience is right here with me. So I don't feel bad saying it. it. This is a really like low level generic example, but that makes me think of like the people who used to design like MySpace profiles back when that was a thing, <laughs> you know, like, if you don't evolve and get on board with helping people with Facebook, we all saw what happened in MySpace. And I think it's that same concept. that's a silly example, but that's what that makes me think of is I think sometimes we've got to think of things that way. Like you're right. If you're not growing and evolving with your clients, they are now going to need something that you cannot give them. And maybe that's okay. Maybe that's your goal. Maybe your goal is to work with Entry level entrepreneurs, you're helping people who are in their first year of business. And you know good and well that at some point your clients are going to age out of being your clients, right? They're no longer going to need you. And then you're going to get new clients. Maybe that's your goal. And that's fine if that's the case. But for a lot of us, for most of us, I would dare to say that's not what we want, right? We want to keep working with our clients. We love our clients. We want to keep serving them. And I think we know that to continue growing a business, to continue scaling and continue serving them well, we have to keep growing, right? So we read all the books and we listen to all the podcasts and we go to all the events and all this stuff. But I think often people are getting stuck on recognizing that it's not just you that has to keep growing and taking steps. You have to bring the business along with you, right? And I think, you know, we think about, you know, the film industry and entertainment and even events and things like that, like really, you know, coming into present day and like upping their game and, and all of that. Why are we as entrepreneurs and small business owners not doing the same, right? Why are we not taking those necessary steps to stay current? And I don't want to say stay on trend. Cause I think that's a whole nother, you know, discussion, but You know, when you think about 2022 and you think about what do do I want business to look like as we go into 2022, you've got to start thinking about what are my clients needing in this space? What are my clients needing this year? How are they leveling up from last year, from previous years? What are they doing different? How can I now offer the difference, right? And sure, like you said, you know, letting go of that program, letting go of those courses is hard because you spent so much time on it but what is the alternative? I think too often people are scared to ask themselves, what is the alternative? I can let go of this course. That's no longer going to make me really good money anyway, because that's not where my clients are anymore, or I can get left behind and, you know, not work with my clients and, and get stuck. Right. So you kind of have to ask yourself, like, what do I really want here? Am I so stuck on this course? Am I so stuck on this content? Am I so stuck on running my business this way that I'm not willing to grow and change and evolve and thrive with my clients? Or do I actually want to grow and scale this business? And I think getting really real with yourself is, is kind of the, the key to that, right?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. 1000%. And you brought up a really good point earlier about like how Yeah. Some people only want to work with a very specific niche and a specific type of person. And I think that's fine, but at the same time, you're always going to be limited. Yeah. And yeah. And I think you're right. It does. You do need to get real with yourself and figure out what do I want for this business? What do I want revenue wise? What do I see? What do I see for us in 2022? Um, but if you really want to hit that half a million dollar mark, that million dollar mark, I don't know, billion dollar mark, whatever dreams you have for your business, you have to be willing to let go of your ego, listen to your customers, the good and the bad, by the way, you can't just take good feedback. You have to listen to the negative feedback because that's the feedback that like actually matters and work with your customers and figure out what your next level looks like. And it might mean expanding from just being a coach, expanding into consulting. I think a lot of coaches out there would make really incredible corporate marketing consultants, but it's a scary route to go down and it's very challenging and it's very time consuming. So I don't think a lot of coaches would go there, um, or expanding into done for you, or there's a lot of options if coaches and consultants and done for you service providers are open to it, but it just requires work and it requires a lot of conversations to, to get there.
0: I feel like I'm so tempted to be like, explain the difference between coaching and consulting cuz you and I have had this conversation and i know it's such a a tough spot for for you and i we're both like oh my gosh they're so different um but i won't cuz that's a rabbit hole for another day um but i do think that's really important to distinguish between like okay what am i offering now right what do i want to offer in the future that my clients are so desperately needing where how do I bridge the gap between those things, right? Does it mean leaving this behind for this, or does it is there a way I can offer both? is is that what I need to do is just kind of diversify my offerings? like there it's like you said there are so many different ways to do this, and I think that's where people get stuck is they're like, oh, well, I offer coaching, so I have to offer coaching like that's mm-hmm. what I do. And it's like, no, you can do done for you. you can do consulting, you can you know, venture out into, you can have these packages, you can have templates, you can, I mean, there's so many things that you can do. And I I think people just get stuck where they're like, oh, I do coaching. So the only thing I could do is maybe offer a course. And if you would just like expand your mind, like ask your clients what they want, right? Um, It just goes back to what you said earlier about don't just do market research in the beginning, ask the questions, consistently be asking the questions over and over and over again, to the point where you're like, my clients are going to hate me because I'm asking them so many questions. Like they won't, they're going to love that you want to build something for them.
1: Right. Oh, exactly. And I've noticed that like the people who I'm continuing to ask questions, those conversations that are continuing to happen, those are the clients who stay with me. And they're like, Oh wait, I want to buy that from you. Or wait, I want to sign up for consulting. Like they feel like they've been such a big part. like they've been Huge in like helping me develop that, so they just want to come with me on that journey, which I think is so cool. Um, but yeah, you brought up a really interesting point too, where like, yes, you can be a coach and you can coach forever if you want to, but you can also add different pillars into your business, you don't have to live and die by coaching. And I would even argue that that's not the safest route to go. And I know entrepreneurship is not about safety, but let's be real, we have bills to pay, we have families to provide for. So if you can spread out where your income is coming from and I'm not just saying as a coach you have a group program a course and a mastermind spread out where your income is coming from from different customers so if you offer consulting you're going to get corporate clients who pay a lot more than coaching clients will and who have more money to spend and who have more resources to help you execute those projects you can expand out into done for you there were so many businesses that were created during COVID that now needs support when it comes to social media and paid ads. Like there's so many opportunities out there. If you're willing to just expand your business and add those other pillars in. But I think so many people are like very focused on like, I'm a coach. I will always coach. I will never do anything but coaching. But in reality, like, this sounds very sad. I think at some point, the coaching industry is not going to be what it currently is. Mm, Yeah, I think that there's going to be, and I've already seen different rules and regulations that are going to be popping up. And a lot of it comes back to MLMs and coaching and how coaching is being promoted. There's going to be problems for our industry in 2022 and 2023 that why wouldn't you expand and serve other types of businesses and other types of markets?
0: Yep. Absolutely, a hundred percent. I I love that the the common theme in all of this. You know, we're talking about marketing and all of this, but the common theme just we keep coming back to ask your clients the questions and be willing to do what you need to do. Right? Be willing to expand. Be willing to get creative. You know, I I think too often we build these businesses and then we're unwilling to get back into the weeds. Right? And and have to do the dirty work to build something because we're like oh i already did that like i've been an entrepreneur for 2 years or 3 years or 5 years or 7 years i don't i don't need to go back to that right that's taking a step backwards and i very much disagree with that i think that's taking steps forward right that's you're building something new or you're adding an offering or pivoting or whatever you need to do to stay in business right to be able to keep making the impact that you're making on your customers and on your community so I think that's such an important piece of that. Uh, I feel we could do this all day. We really could. I feel like you're going to have to come back. We're going to have to have a part two at some point. Um, I do want to ask you really quick before we go into the rapid fire round. I know we're kind of over our time wrapping up here, but I have to ask, I know, you know, you have doggy issues now, which is your product-based business. And I know we don't have quite as many listeners who are product-based businesses, but I'm just curious, how is the marketing different? What has that looked like? Maybe just in a couple sentences, how is it different than like a, a service based business or a digital based business?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I'll try to not go too deep here because there are <laughs> so many differences between the two. And a whole like, other episode. <laughs> oh my God, we're going to need a part two. But if anybody is interested in starting a product based business, keep in mind that it will take twice as long to develop products and it will cost twice as much or three times as much as you initially anticipated. But when it comes to marketing, an omni-channel approach is best for products. And I would even say for a service-based business, but I know sometimes for service-based businesses, it's really hard to be on all the platforms doing all the things, especially when you're already serving clients. But for products, it's really important for visibility purposes. Yeah. You can't just be on Instagram when you have a product, you have to be on Pinterest, especially if you have a product that is so like visually pleasing is not the right word, but I'm not good with words right now. Um, Like for example, like our products say really ridiculous sayings on the front of them. So they do well on Pinterest. Like our Pinterest gets about 15,000 visitors or 15,000 impressions every single month. So we do well on Pinterest. We have a lot of click throughs paid ads are also important as well so we do paid ads on pinterest and we're starting to do ads on facebook um aside from that influencer marketing is really really big with visibility if you have a product you have to be working with influencers so you can get in front of a new audience and build trust and credibility the more influencer marketing we do the more the business grows so we just did our first paid collaboration with an NHL player and his girlfriend and his very famous dog. And our website visitors have been like through the roof, our sales week. So last week we had our biggest sales week to date, but I'm pretty sure this week is going to top that. That's awesome. So very, very exciting. And then along with that too, I would say this is more of a similarity than a difference. You have to have email marketing with products. You have to be able to like touch base with your customers. So we've been doing a lot of email marketing. I'm hoping to dive into SMS marketing for that business in 2022 as well. But yeah, I would say the main difference is just having an omni-channel approach. That's so interesting. I I knew it, it could be a whole episode on its own. So
0: maybe there's a part two in store for us. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I had to ask because I feel like, um, you know, not that we have a lot of product-based business listeners, but I feel like we have a lot of listeners who have toyed with the idea of how could I introduce a product, um, even if it's not a new business. How could I just introduce a product into my current business? So I'm, I was just curious, you know, what the differences have been because that's definitely not my area of expertise. So it's interesting to hear that perspective. So thank you for that. I think this has been amazing. I wish I could keep you here all day long and just talk shop with you because I love it. I love getting to like I said, talk to other marketing professionals. And I think you and I are very similar in both thought processes and personality. So uh, we could really do this all day, but I will stop here and not keep you much longer. But uh, we always close the show out with my rapid fire round, which is just a few fun questions to uh, let our audience get to know you a little more and maybe inspire some ideas for them. So are you ready? I'm I'm like
1: sweating. I'm nervous (laughs) right now, but I think I'm
0: ready. I love it. I love it. All right. They're easy. I promise. What is your favorite part of your morning routine? I am the worst person when it comes to morning routines. Are you really? Because I, I am too.
1: <laughs> I will lay in bed until 9:15. I'll wake up, I'll play on my phone. My dog will lay upstairs next to me and I'll just cuddle with him. I roll out of bed. I'll like wash my face. I'll wander downstairs, get Starbucks. I don't have a morning routine.
0: Were we separated at birth? I I have to ask. Because let me tell you, I just, you know, short, short share. The reason I asked this question is when I originally came up with the rapid fire round, I was like, I really should get my morning routine together and maybe actually have one. So I'm just going to ask this question so that I can get ideas For my own morning routine. And not one time have I ever implemented one of the ideas that I've heard. I'm the worst. I'm a night owl. I'm not a morning person. I also sleep till like nine. uh, and I don't feel bad about it,
1: like at all. So I think we were separated at birth. Like I that is so funny. I don't think I've ever talked to another entrepreneur friend of mine who was so lax with the morning routine and sleeping in. Anytime I tell somebody I sleep in until like nine, nine fifteen, they're like, are you they're in shock? they're in alarm. I just wake up when I wake up. I'm
0: telling you, you like, we should start a club because you can't find night owl entrepreneurs. We don't exist. Like we are very rare creatures and I do my best work very late at night after my husband goes to bed. And that's how I like it. And I wake up late and I don't feel bad about it in the slightest
1: me too Johnson takes the dog out in the morning I just lay in bed and I I don't start my day until like 10 or 11 o'clock and it's totally fine
0: I think I love you is it too soon to say that I think I love you (laughs) (laughs) this is officially my favorite answer to the morning routine question that has ever existed on this show (laughs) all right keeping it going what is the last book that you enjoyed
1: Okay. So I read like five books at a time. I'm like, a (laughs) I have a book in my office, a book in the bathroom, a book in the car, a book in my purse. Like I have books everywhere. So I just finished up marketing visibility and that was really good. It was written in 2016, but a lot of the information is still so incredibly relevant. And the author is very no BS to the point. There's no fluff in the book. So if you need a swift kick in the booty, when it comes to your business, It's a good book to read because he's very like point blank. There's a lot of businesses out there. Your customers have a lot of options. So step it up, become more visible and understand that like you need to figure out what's special about you. And like he brought up such a good point, but he was like, your education doesn't make you special. Your years of experience doesn't make you special. Um, The fact that you offer marketing doesn't make you special. Like there's so many things he listed off where I'm like. Oh my God, I'm not a special unicorn, but it was, it was good. Like I almost needed that. I almost needed that yeah. to figure out what makes me really unique versus other consultants.
0: I love that. I haven't heard of that one. So I'm going to go look that up now, but I'm, I'm laughing because you're like, I, I read five books at a time and I'm like, Oh my God, we really are separated at birth. Like, <laughs> cause I do the same thing. And I, I'm, I am surprised by that answer because we get a lot of people who say that sometimes maybe not five, but, um, <laughs> They're, they're reading two or three at a time. And I think it's interesting how so many entrepreneurs do that. And we always think we're weird for doing that, but it seems to be a common thread among us. So that's interesting. I feel like there's some, some kind of psychology behind that, but uh, I love that. I love that so much. I'm, I'm definitely going to go look up that book. So highly recommend everybody else does as well. What is one tool or a resource or platform that you use in your business that you just swear by, you recommend it to everybody. You love it.
1: Ooh. Okay. Wait, I'm going to give you two. Okay. <laughs> Number one is snazzy AI. It's an AI copywriting platform, which is free to use, and you can use it to write blogs, emails, captions, ads, literally anything you need for copy it can do. All you do is you pull up snazzy AI and you type in like a couple of keywords, you describe your industry, what you're promoting. And within like seconds, it'll come up with copy for you. So And cool. it's pretty right. good. It's pretty spot on. Um, I've used a couple of different AI copywriting platforms. Snazzy AI is my number one go-to. So 10 out of 10 recommend that one. Oh, they God. do have a paid version. And I believe with the paid version, you can do unlimited unlimited copy. Like you can do right. tons of emails, tons of blogs. I know with the free version, you are limited and I don't really know what the limitation is, but I've never hit the limit. So check out the free version of that. Number two, I'm sure people in your audience already know about this one, but active campaign has been my favorite CRM platform, email platform. The automations are next level and it's also very affordable.
0: Yeah. I love that. I have used several AI things and just never loved them, but I've never heard of snazzy. So I'm so going to go check that out now.
1: Yes, go check them out. I believe they were just acquired by Unbounce. Cool. Very cool.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely going to go check that out. I love that. I love that. That was kind of a unique, right? Like we haven't heard that one before. Um, Cause sometimes we get the same ones, yeah. you know, over and over the really popular ones. So I love that. Uh, who is one other woman? that you absolutely love following on social media?
1: I love Madison Tinder. So we're actually friends in real life. She lives 10 minutes down the road from me. So we meet up for coffee and drinks every once in a while, but I really like her perspective on things. So yeah, I like following her, love meeting up with her. We always have some really great conversations.
0: I love her so much. We met on Clubhouse like way back when. And, uh, she was actually a speaker for the females on fire virtual summit that we had back in August. And I think I saw you two at like a conference or some kind of event together or something. And I was like, oh my God, they know each other. So I love that so much. I love when you find people in your own city. Like that always makes me so excited when I find people around me. So I love it. All right. Last rapid fire question. This is a toughie. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? I
1: pick one. <laughs> I told you was stuff. Um, I don't know if it's like a piece of advice, but it's something I feel like my parents have always instilled in me and it just kind of carried over into adulthood and entrepreneurship. Um, Those are my favorite. Yeah, it was just, so how do I put this? get scrappy and resourceful and that'll take you so much further in life than like just being really smart. I don't feel like I put that the right way. No, just, like, I like that. Get I scrappy. Like that yeah, get scra- scrappy, get resourceful. Don't be afraid to reach out to people for questions that you might need answered. Don't be afraid to rely on your community for help. I've always been like that and I think my parents have like constantly like instill that I in mean, especially as an entrepreneur with a very lean team, they've always been like, you can figure it out. Like you can do anything. You know how to ask the right questions. You know who to go to. So I feel like that wasn't really the answer you're looking for.
0: No, but- it was. I love that so much. I, because I think so often like people want to like quote some, like give a quote or yeah. something. And I'm like, no, what is that advice that like you go to every time you're having like the worst day? And I think for a lot of people that did probably come from their parents, I know that my best piece of advice would definitely be from my parents. Um, so I love that because I think it also ties in really well with the whole conversation we were just having about, you know, really asking your audience, what they're looking for and your clients, what they need and all of that. So it's interesting hearing that your parents instilled that in you and then watching how you run your business. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So I love that. I love that so much. I. I never like to give people a heads up on that question because I always want to see what they come up with in the moment, even if it takes them a good, you know, five minutes, but I love that answer. I think that was perfect. Perfect well, way to end you. it.
1: Yeah. I'm sure if you would have given me a heads up, I would have taken like five or six days to really think about <laughs> it, and like check in with other people in my life. Um, but yeah, I was thinking of that recently too, just because I've never been the smartest person. I've never been the fastest person. I've never been the wealthiest person, but I've always found a way to like, kind of get there, like sobbed my way through business school, but I did it. And I raced BMX nationals when I really had no business racing. BMX nationals shouldn't have ever started a business, but like I started a business, you know what I mean? Like I've always been really good at figuring it out and getting really resourceful and scrappy to like get to that end goal.
0: I can resonate with that so much. So I love it. Probably one of the best pieces of advice we've had on here. So I love that you didn't just quote somebody else. I appreciate that. Uh, I love it. Um, Tell everybody where they can find you and what, what do you have going on right now? I know you've got a lot of stuff coming up uh, in 2022, but tell them a little bit about what you've got to promote and where they can get at you.
1: Yes. So you guys can find me on Instagram at neat.marketing. I put out a lot of content. I'm always on Instagram stories. If you want to listen to my podcast, which goes even deeper into what I talk about on Instagram, that's served neat. And we're on basically every platform, Spotify, Apple, all the things. Aside from that, I have a website, but please don't look at it because we have to update it, but it's neatmarketingllc.com. Again, it's not updated. Please don't look at it. If you do, don't judge me. Aside from that, things that are coming up, we are really working hard on signing more corporate consulting clients and moving more in that corporate direction. And I mean, a lot of our clients are growing so fast too that eventually, you know, some of my sole producers will have corporations. So working in that direction. We're definitely planning on growing doggy issues a lot more in 2022. I have some really big growth plans, hoping to find a few more retailers to partner with just to grow the brand and get out there a little bit more, working with more influencers. And I haven't officially announced this yet, but what better time to do so? I'm starting to work on a book next year as well. Awesome. Uh-huh.
0: So exciting. I love that. Oh my gosh. We're going to talk so much about that once this podcast is over because I'm currently writing a book and it's the hardest thing I've ever done. So we're going to talk all the things. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, we will put the links to all of that incredible stuff in the show notes. And you guys, when I say that Jen produces the most incredible content, like she's one of my favorite people to follow. It's the whole reason she's sitting here right now. So Please go follow her on Instagram at the very least, but her podcast is amazing too. Uh, And like I said, we'll put all the links to that in the show notes. Jen, thank you so much. This was such an incredible conversation. Um, So much insight here that I I love how real you are and how just, I don't want to say authentic because I think that's such a buzzword now, but just so down to earth, you're, you know, the kind of person that will kick you in the pants and then give you a hug right after. And I, I think that's amazing. Those are my kind of people. So I love your perspective, your insight that you gave, and I just appreciate you so much. That's it for this time. Thank you for joining me. Don't forget to head over to the show notes at femalesonfirepodcast.com to grab bonus content from our guests, support the show, or grab your females on fire swag. If you loved this episode, give us a quick shout out on Instagram by tagging at females on fire. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday for a brand new episode to keep you fired up for those big dreams.